Hello, and welcome to the Unsung CX Heroes podcast, where we take a brief but deeper look into the practical world of a customer experience professional, someone you might not have known about or heard about, but hopefully after the next 10 to 15 minutes, you certainly will. I'm Carl Charisse, founder and principal of Horizon CX. We help organizations large and small to get started along the customer-centric pathway or to improve the customer experience by better understanding customers' needs through listening to the voice of the customer and deriving key insights that will help drive the business forward. So today I have the pleasure of introducing a good friend and colleague and someone who also happens to serve on the Horizon CX training and delivery team, Mr. Jim Bass. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Carl. Great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. No problem. Jim, uh, Jim is a customer experience strategy and innovation leader. Uh, he's a certified customer experience professional, a consultant with Designing the Difference, a frequent blogger, a speaker, an author, and for many years, an experienced CX professional, and also a genetic genealogist of all things, and a composer. <laughs> Did I leave anything out, Jim? Uh, thank you. God. You got it all. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure there's more, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, I'd like to first start out today by asking you to just briefly describe when and how you got into this exciting world of customer experience management. You know, I've been in some form of customer service um, and or experience for, you know, since I was a teenager. Uh, so I've always had some kind of a customer service uh, bent to what I do, but probably really getting into the, what we call customer experience now, it really wasn't called customer experience uh, at the time when I was doing it, but I started working at McKesson Corporation around the year 2000. And by the year 2010, I was managing a technical support team uh, that also had customer advocates and customer loyalty and customer education. And so it really was just about doing good business, doing the business the right way and, and listening to customers and just trying to provide the highest, uh, highest level of service to achieve that high level of satisfaction. I mean, just simple things like um, how we talk, um, how, we, how we respond and how quickly we turn things around. But with a big company like, like McKesson, there were also other challenges because there are multiple business units and you know one solution was being sold to the customer but it was actually 10 different business units behind the scenes so really learning how to uh, how to listen to the customer but be more proactive and and give them solutions that help them not have to engage with the company. And that's really just how I got my start in it. Then it was into surveys. And then eventually we began to learn about net promoter systems and uh, VOC programs. And then the, the, you know, the whole um, discipline of customer experience became into, into vogue and became more um, formalized. Yeah. You know, a lot of our listeners will be in either a B2B or B2C business. What do you think is there is there a, a real difference between B2B and B2C, do you think? Or is the, the concepts really apply? I know the concepts apply to both, but what do you think the real difference is? Yeah, so I think you're right. Yeah, the concepts really apply to both, but because of the way you, you service and face the customer, I think uh, with B2B, it, it adds a different layer, make, which adds, makes it a little more complex for businesses to really improve the experience. When you're working face-to-face -face with a customer in a B2C environment uh, or, or 
you know, you know, voice to voice, uh, it, it's easy to see where you've messed up and where things can be fixed very quickly. You can see it, but in a B2B environment, you may not see it and you may just see data. And then I think what happens is we become so enamored, enamored with data that we, we kind of forget what's behind the data and, and we stop looking at the people behind the data. So I think that's where some of the complexity comes is we, we really lose sight of who the true customer is in a B2B environment, whereas in B2C, it's almost right there in your face. Yeah, thank, thanks for that, you know, clarification, because I know a lot of people kind of want, still wonder about that. Um, so I want to move on a little bit here. On your website, Designing the Difference, um, you describe a perspective on CX that is improving, uh, that improving the customer experience doesn't always have to be a daunting or expensive venture. Um, you say businesses can improve revenues and profitability by making a few simple changes in behavior, communication, listening, acting. Also, you frequently mention sometimes in your blogs or social posts that the best way to cultivate customer loyalty is act on feedback. So with that as a kind of a backdrop, I know I said a lot of words there, but the first question that comes to mind here is, what are some examples of simple changes uh, that can bring about significant experience improvements without having to invest heavily or break the bank, as they say? Yeah, and, and you know that's a, a great question, and it's one that I, I do talk about a lot. And as you mentioned, it's really part of my POV of customer experience. A lot of this I really learned while I was cutting my teeth on experience at McKesson, and it was because I had no funds. I didn't have a budget. So uh, each year our, our business grew and our customer base grew, and every year I was told you've got to do more with less. And so th that made me have to think of things differently. It made my team uh, to inspire me to think of things differently. So, you know, there, there are a lot of things that, that we can do to improve experience that don't require capital investments. But what's really funny is that it seems like a lot of times we would rather do the capital investments because the work of customer experience is really around behaviors. <clears throat> And so some of those things that we can do to change uh, and, and deliver an experience that doesn't really require, you know, a lot of expense or time are, are going to be, first of all, the language that we use. So using words that are the customer's vernacular, the customer's vocabulary. When we use words and acronyms from our business perspective and we talk to our customers and we're using these, these, uh, these words and these terms and these acronyms that, that don't make any sense if to a new employee that walks into your company, it definitely doesn't make sense to your customer. But the subliminal message that's sent to the customer is you need to get with our program. <laughs> and, you know, it kind of tells the employees, too, that it's OK to, to do this. And, and our customers should get with our program. But when we start turning the words around to be the things that the customer understands and words that they use, then it tells the customer another, another message. And that is this company cares about me and they are they're getting with my program. I don't have to get with their process and their language and their ways of doing things. So just some of the words we use. One of the things we learned, like you know, an example uh, at McKesson was, you never tell the customer, this is a known defect. <laughs> because the first thing they say is known to who? It wasn't known to me. Why don't you guys tell everybody everything? You tend to cover everything up and you hide things you don't want. And it turns into this big spiral of, of 
mistrust. So as soon as we change the word from known defect to this has been identified as a defect and it's in our tracking system and uh, your customer advocate will reach out to you after this call to give you a status on that, that kept the conversation flowing. It didn't create the defensiveness and it, and it helped the customer realize, oh, there is this is already something that they're working on or they're getting ready to work on and I'm, there's a way for me to understand what, what we can do about it. So our language is, is really important. Sometimes it's just a a process change in the way we communicate. <clears throat> so for example, if you're closing out a service ticket, um, you know, you've had an engagement with your customer, maybe it's gone on for a few days and you've gone back and forth and now you've finally gotten it solved. Um, it's, it's so easy for the company to just close that ticket out and move on. You know, I solved the problem, everything's good, we're moving on, but stop and have a conversation with the customer. Make sure they understand what you did to fix the problem. Listen to see, did, did the problem actually get solved? And if it was solved, does the customer know how they can uh, address this or solve this for themselves in the future? And if they are not able to solve it for themselves in the future because of the technical complexity or because it does require the business to partner with you, then how can we fast track this so it doesn't have to go through that long process? So really checking in, confirming that the, the problem is solved and using that opportunity as a way to also reinforce your relationship, ensure that there was satisfaction. You don't have to wait for a survey to go out. You can ask right then, did everything uh, I do help you out? Was, uh, was it quick enough? Um, is this uh, solution thorough enough? And you know, if not, let me know because I want to I make sure I improve and get better myself. A lot of times when customers can say that right then and there, it prevents a, a negative uh, relationship or negative things from, from kind of growing and, and festering over time. So keeping, that, keeping the lines flushed. So, uh, you know, the, the words we use and then the way we communicate, maybe some a change in a process that can, um, again, doesn't require lots of work, lots of, lots of money. Uh, another thing to do is, uh, you know, if you're trying to start up a voice of the customer program, or maybe you have one, but it's not really giving you everything you need, take advantage of your people. Your employees know more about the customer than, than their surveys do. They know more details about the customer. They know the things that the customers have stopped complaining about because they know there's not going to be a fix. Your employees also know the processes that and the tools that they're using to deliver the service. And they know where those process problems are. They know where, what things could be could be uh, better uh, handled, things that could be um, better finessed or, or defects in the process or the product that need to be fixed that create all of the, the, the back and forth and the need for assistance. So those are just three places you can go to immediately just to understand and to be able to communicate better. Wow, that's great. Thanks for sharing all of those. They, they sound, I mean, it, it's almost like, you know, no brainer, right? <laughs> it seems it's rather logical, right, to, to, to think about those things. But, you know, we don't often stop and think. We think we have to spend lots of money in order to get some of these things. Well, well yeah. And, and part of it is, you know, these, the things I just kind of mentioned are behaviors. Yep. Yep. And it's so much easier to just put a tool or a process or a technology or more resources after the situation than going and getting to the behaviors. Yeah. And so one of the things I've noticed over time is that so many companies want to, you know, they want to put all this technology, all the omni-channel, all these different tools out there, but the basics still are not there. And until your basics are there, those tools aren't going to really help you out. 
Well, I know that from being a musician. You got to know the basics first before you can be confident about <laughs> the rest of it. That's right. right I want to I want to move on to something here because you did mention here something about customer loyalty. So I've sort of couple couple kind of two questions in one here. Um, what does it mean to cultivate loyalty, and how does that impact? You know, how does acting on customer because you say you said when your blogs that, that the best way to cultivate customer loyalty is act on the feedback. So what does it mean to cultivate loyalty and how does acting impact that? Oh, great. I love this question. And thank you for asking this one too. So cultivate. So you think about the word cultivate. I got my mind goes right to gardening and farming, <laughs> right? So you think about your gardening or your farming, you know, you're not just running out in the yard and throwing seeds out and just hoping everything grows, right? You want, you want things to grow. You want your plants to grow. You want to have a harvest. So there is planning that goes into it. I mean, you're digging, you're planning out where you're going to have the garden or the acreage that you're going to farm. You're, you're lining out the rows. You're planning what's going to go where. You're looking at what areas are shaded, which areas have full sun. You're thinking about how you're going to uh, irrigate or water these plants. Um, you're thinking about the ways that you're going, what kind, of, are you, what kind of pesticides are you going to use? Are you going to use something natural and organic? And so, and then it, even after you plant that, you, do, you go through all that, you don't just plant it and walk away. You have to weed it, you have to water it, you have to feed it. And this goes on day after day after day. And depending on other conditions, if it rains a lot or there's a storm or there's a drought, you're going to have to step up uh, or change the way you are doing that maintenance of that garden. Um, you know, if, if you want to spray pesticide or go out there and pick the bugs off the plant yourself. So cultivating is, is I, I love the word about cultivating loyalty because it's not a once and done. It's a continual act. It's a very purposeful, very design type of an exercise. And so when we think about how taking action on customer feedback is the best way to, to generate customer loyalty and satisfaction, those cultivation activities uh, in, in a customer experience world are things like communicating, uh, being transparent, letting the customer know what you're hearing, what you're learning, um, you know, not just keeping all your survey data and your voice of the customer data to yourself, but you're sharing it back and you're saying, here's what, here's what our customers, you, our customers are telling us, and here are like the top three issues, and here's what we're doing about those things, and then engaging them, maybe be into the solutions because uh, sometimes the worst thing you can do is just take the take the uh, complaint and then go try to fix it. <clears throat> Even better though, take it and go back to the customer and ask them how they would like to see this uh, deployed. What are the things that they would like to see? If they're saying your, your product is you know kludgy or it doesn't flow right, you know engage them into what is what should it look like, and then let them know how we're how you're how you're uh, coming along in your progress. And then when it comes time for testing, invite them to test it with you uh, as an alpha tester or a beta tester. So cultivating is really all these activities, and you know sometimes taking the action on the feedback, meaning you know fixing the actual problem that they have mentioned might take a long time. It could be program programs you have to do. It may be testing. It may be um, all kinds of uh, approvals and, and regulations that have to be uh, addressed before you can actually deliver the improvement. But keep them, uh, keep the customers uh, in step with what you're doing. Let them know where you are. Um, you can go a year without delivering that and still generate engagement and satisfaction because you're keeping everyone up to date. 
Yeah, that's, uh, you know, what you're saying here, what we call closing the loop. That's very important stuff here. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude here today by, by asking you this question here, because you've worked in B2B, I've worked in B2B, a lot of experience there. And so when we talked about acting on customer feedback, why does acting seem to be so darn difficult? <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let me count the ways. <laughs> but, you know, it, it really, it boils down to a lot of, you know, to a few different things. And it's, it's ownership and accountability. But it's, it's, it's really looking back at what, what you're trying to do and why. What's the purpose? Why do we need to do these changes? Why do we need to take this action? So, you know, the, the things that I've seen that make it, make it hard to take action is that, unfortunately, many times the improvements or the action we need to take is in direct conflict with um, current goals and measurements. Mm. And so that, can, that creates a rub. Uh, immediately. So this is where your strategy might not be aligned with, with the uh, corporate strategy. So uh, this is where it's so important for, for CX teams to be aligned to the goals and the initiatives of the corporate strategy or of the departmental strategy. So that's one big piece is it's just not aligned. Um, the next one is going to be more around a, kind of a, a, a view of the company where uh, you're, you're the CFO or the, the folks, that, the general manager, the people that, that control the funds um, are looking at really short-term profits or short-term cost de, de, uh, reductions rather than a long-term gain. So many times it's the, you know, uh, the pandemic is a good example. So during the pandemic, you know, Many customers, excuse me, many businesses actually, you know, removed their budgets for customer experience because it was just seen as something that's a fluff, something fluffy, something not necessary. But other companies were doubling down on it because they realized it's more important than ever during this pandemic. So as, as we look at the businesses that, that are, are, you know, looking at these shorter term uh, gains and, and they don't really see the longer term gains, it really comes to, again to kind of connecting with the um, leaders of the company to show that there is financial benefit in these improvements. So we have to kind of quantify that in terms that are, that are financially um, understood. And even then you're still gonna have a hard time taking an action. Um, you could anyway, because there's, there are just other, other dynamics at play. And then the other one that I mentioned earlier was just the fact that, you know, we don't, we don't always understand why it's important. Uh, what are the things that we need to get done? And sometimes these actions might not be easy because now we're talking about behaviors and behaviors that's touchy feely stuff. I don't know how to deal with behaviors and I can't, I can't control people's behaviors and I shouldn't be expected to control behaviors. Uh, but we do want to engage people. We want to understand what we're doing and why and, and really help, help, the, help the organization really uh, understand where we're trying to take this and, and what, the, what actions need to be taken so that we can achieve better financial results in the end. Yeah, I think what you said there was really key, the behavior change, and that's another whole topic around change management, something we could probably attack at another time here. But um, for, for now, thank you, Jim, uh, for your time today and for such valuable insights uh, for folks around the customer experience di discipline and how they can take their practice to a higher 
and hopefully more mature level. So I hope everyone enjoyed this brief but insightful discussion that we call Unsung CX Heroes. And I invite you to stay tuned for more episodes of Unsung CX Heroes by visiting the Horizon CX website listed here on the screen and also subscribing to the blog series since that will automatically put you in the queue for not only our monthly blogs, but also for our Unsung CX Heroes podcast announcements. Thank you once again, Jim, and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks, Carl. Mm -hmm.